There's nothing better in life than starting the day, opening Ahrefs, going to the new link section and see a brand new link from a high authority publication. A link you did absolutely nothing to get. The journalist just found your piece of content and decided to link to it and use it as a source. Happened to us many times, actually. We got links from the Huffington Post, we got links from Mashable, we got links from Wikipedia, and just authorities within the niches where we were in, and it was a great feeling. Actually, it's one of the main ways through which we acquire links to Authority Hacker. Now, while a lot of these links are pure luck, you can very often force the luck and do a few things that will help you acquire more links passively. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Gail Breton. I am one of the hosts of the podcast and I'm hosting this with Mark, who is my business partner. How's it going, Mark? Going good. How are you? I like how we- Still alive? I like how we do- Yeah, yeah, still alive. For now, for now. I considered doing it with a mask, but people told me not to do the podcast with a mask, so I'm not going to do that. But we're going to be talking, we're not going to be talking about the news today, we're going to be talking about passive link building. I think it's, it's an interesting topic for a lot of people because, for example, we worked for, I don't know if I can say, but we worked for like Nigella Lawson, who was like a celebrity chef in the UK. And we would work for her site. Her site used to get like 100 links a day. Passively, we didn't have to do any kind of link building for that site. And it, we did rank it for like massive keywords because of that. And it was so good. We all, all we have to worry about is like internal linking from pages that get links to pages that we want to rank and then on page optimization and the site would rank. So when you get like to build a really big site, I mean, like strategic link building to key pages is, is still something, but like you don't have to do general link building to build the main authority. You just get these links completely automatically. And so getting a little bit of that to your site is a massive help, especially if you run that site for a long time. Like if you run this site for multiple years, these things really stack up, add up, and that's how you get to a high DR site without having to do too much work. So I think it's quite important for SEOs to think about this kind of passive link building. Like I, the thing is like the way I put my windows is I don't see enough. I'm going to put this on the second screen actually. So before we get started though, Mark, can you just tell us what we classify as passive link building before we get started with the list? Yeah, sure. So I want to say maybe there's a bit of clickbait going on with the with the word passive here because it's kind of like passive income. You never really have passive income. There's always something you have to do. It's it's just like how much you have to do and is that a one-off, is that a re repeated thing? So we're talking about here where, for example, you create something, some kind of linkable asset, and then it just earns links naturally over time. But if you do it in a specific way, and we're going to be talking about those kind of ways and those kind of options there. Of course, this being authority hacker, it's not just a blue sky kind of oh, build it and they will come type approach. We're going to get into some very specific types of things you can do in order to set yourself up in the best possible position to kind of earn links naturally on an ongoing basis with little to no work. Not necessarily zero work, but little to no work. Yeah, I think it's also like those processes you should have in place that can result in links that you should be doing for other reasons and then they just happen to build links for you. But I think the first one, which is something that a lot of SEOs are guilty of, is making yourself look credible. I don't think passive link building from, you know, writers for the Huffington Post or something. The way the Huffington Post work, by the way, is that they have a list of trusted resources. So it's not like you need to get on that list first and someone's just vetting your site, just visiting it and be like, okay, this is a good resource for 
uh, you know, vacuum cleaners or something. And then we just like every time we want to have a resource for vacuum cleaners, this site will be part of the list that we use for vacuum cleaner resources. So for that, like someone's just going to go on your site and look at it and browse your about page, look at the author, look at the design of your site, look at the branding, all of that. And all these things do matter. And I think a lot of SEOs build pretty crappy sites, uh, especially when they build niche sites. And I think it's preventing a lot of that passive link building. I think if you don't have that, you will not get a lot of passive links. It's not even necessarily they build crappy sites. It's that there's no kind of way, they don't do anything which shows that, which presents them, i.e. the person as a real genuine authority. It's like, I don't know, best left-handed computer mouse.net or something like that as an affiliate site. No mention of anyone who's running it. No mention of anyone who's left-handed. It's just like a list of reviews and stuff. And, and that's fine if, if all you're going for is, you know, a bit of Google traffic here and there to, to your reviews. Basic, basic affiliate site is a good way to start. But when you start kind of trying to level it up, then that's the point you have to tell your story because that's what people are, are really interested in or the people making these kind of decisions about who to use as, as a resource at least and you use the example of nigella lawson one of the most famous celebrity chefs there is we are not anywhere close to to being at her level and neither it would at least most people i think listening to this but that doesn't mean we can't learn something from the way these big kind of celebrities big people present themselves as authorities in, in their space. We can do a lot of stuff which makes us look like an authority on a similar level um, as someone like that, and therefore uh, will hopefully enable our content to be taken more seriously by people potentially linking to us, journalists and whatnot. Yeah, so I made a list of things to do uh, for that. It's like, obviously it's not that ex extensively, but it gives you an idea. Uh, the first one is uh, avoid stock photos. I mean, like the stock photo persona needs to go at that point. Uh, it's not gonna work. Yeah. Uh, and overall, just, I mean, you can use some stock photos, but it's nice to have like real photos, especially on places like your about page, for example. If you're building about page, et cetera, like you should have real photos. You should have photos of people who work for the website, like put the photo of your freelance writer, put the photo of your editor, put the photo of the person that uploads the content. You don't have to be a huge company to do that. And just like explain that to people. I like to give some kind of mission to the website as well. People really get behind that. Like. I'm like the anti-self-help guy. I tend to not like that personally. I, I tend to be like, oh, this is all bullshit. They just want to make money. But the truth is people do get behind that and it helps convince people. And when you introduce yourself like, oh, we're here to help 10,000 people grow their plants if, it's, if you're Kevin, for example, or something. And so it, it's great to have that on your about page and people get behind that. And so they promote you, et cetera, et cetera. So that works really well. I think having some social proof as well on your about page is a big deal. Like if you have already been featured somewhere or if you even guest posted on a big site in your niche, for example, it doesn't need to be like uh, the New York Times or something. It can just be any niche site that is like quite well recognized in your in your industry. I think on the Toy Hacker, we, have, we still have my uh, my Harvard talk, which is like uh, getting old now, to be frank. Really old. Um, <laughs> but well, it's like, I guess, speaking at Harvard does impress a few people. I think the second one is uh, having a degree of social presence. So if you have no social profile for your name, for example, like... Just, like I actually, people... just back up there a sec, because you said about the thing about Harvard, because that kind of comes under this, like, making yourself look credible. And, like, I don't want to kind of diminish the accomplishment in, okay. in any way, but... Uh, it was our our old business partner organized this very 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 clever idea actually it worked worked really well over the years, but it wasn't actually giving a lecture to at Harvard it was a talk at the entrepreneurs 
like after school club or whatever it's called at a college. Was it after school? It was in the middle yeah. of the afternoon. Like when we did, it was like, okay. It was late afternoon. Like I mean, it was definitely not an official class. It was yeah. definitely not a real class. It was like the Entrepreneur Society, which was 50 or so like people going studying at Harvard who are interested in entrepreneurship and stuff. Doing after school stuff, yeah, basically. Basically. But still, like massive credibility there. So it's kind of like an authority hack in, in a way and goes along similar lines of the other stuff. Uh, we're, should we're probably make about. a whole podcast on that story. I don't, I don't think you should burn it. Maybe that's, All right. that's a podcast we should do, actually. I think people would be interested, but yeah. So and then that, um, that society is going to get hundreds of applications from all sorts of affiliates. <laughs> they're going to get spammed. <laughs> <laughs> from like Viagra, bestviagraappeals.com. Yeah. Bestcasinoreview.info. That's going to be fun. Okay, let's go back to the podcast. Uh, we will, if you want us to talk about the Harvard talk, tweet at us. You know what? And that's great because that's the next point. Have some social presence. At least be on Twitter and Instagram. I think at least Twitter, uh, for most niches, like Twitter is a thing. I don't know a niche where Twitter is not a thing. So have a, some kind of brand Twitter and or have your personal Twitter with like your face, etc. The same face as like the owner of the website and then kind of like list the website on your bio, etc. And that will give a lot of credibility, especially journalists, they really check you out on Twitter. It's kind of like your CV. Some people check LinkedIn a lot as well. So maybe have your profile filled up there as well. That will help build that credibility, right? And I like uh, having high quality auto pages. We don't have them on the Toy Hacker yet. We are, we'll bring your rebranding soon. So I hope to build them at this point. But a good example I have of a good auto page, and he's going to be happy about that, is uh, Tim Solo from Ahrefs. If you go on ahrefs.com slash Tim, they have really good auto pages uh, for a few people. I think he's just built his, and not every auto has that, but like his is like really good. So go check it out. I think something like that is also a great credibility builder, and he links to it as well. Like maybe that's what he's going to be linking to in his Twitter bio and so on, so that people can go check his post and so on. And basically, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is... This EAT stuff that people have been talking about for ages, except it's for humans, not for robots. Because people do react to that, and that's how you essentially get some of that passive link building. And I understand that between working on a review post and building your about page, you're like, well, the review post might make me money, etc. And it's like, but after a certain point, you know, an extra review post might make you 0.2% extra revenue. And then that's when you're like, well, actually, I should be building these passive link building systems because over time it will just add a lot more than like one more review on my site. So, uh, you know, there's a point where it does make sense. And when you're just started, maybe you can just go with the basics, basically. So that's the, the first tip is essentially like make yourself credible. Uh, do you want to take the second one? Yeah, so the second one is to rank in the top, ideally number one, but rank in the top three for uh, an info keyword. Uh, and I want to give a specific example of, of this from one of our sites that two or three years ago, before the medic update, we were ranking number one for negative effects of coffee. We had an article on the site for quite a few years that, that ranked number one, lasted quite a while. and Probably over- four or five years, yeah. Over time, I don't think it was quite that long, but over time, loads and loads and loads of journalists would link to us, would quote quote us. We, I think we had links from every hundreds and every country's Huffington Post, Huffington yeah. Post like .ca, yeah. by far, like everyone <laughs> linked to us at some point, like and not just a translation of the article, just because journalists were were talking about coffee or was caffeine good or bad and then they would just google negative effects of coffee find us find a bunch of information on there about the negative effects of coffee quote us and then link to us 
And it was fantastic. We got loads and loads of links from that. Although because we were that page specifically was getting loads and loads of links and because it was already number one, it kept getting more links naturally. I guess that made it a lot harder to, for someone else to break into that on you know normal SEO rules because it was kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. So yeah, I mean, it's a good tactic. You may think that, oh, there's no money in info keywords. It's all, it's all about the money keywords or I've already done outreach for, for this. I'm not going to bother, whatever. Like look for these look for these keywords where it's conceivable that someone would look for facts or information in order to write a story, especially if it's some a common thing which would people would be writing about a lot, like coffee, caffeine, sleep, that kind of thing which affects people. Questions related to that page, like, like we didn't write about like coffee, we were about negative side effects of coffee. It was like a page dedicated to that. So it wasn't that competitive as a keyword, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe that's why nobody tried to compete with us in, in initially. I mean, there are a few people, obviously, but no one really pushed it very hard because there wasn't much money in it. You're not going to make much ads off of that. Really, it's a negative thing Actually, about coffee. Actually, you do. That's the thing. Like, I want to really like emphasize how people should be doing more info content. I think it's kind of a, especially when you kind of like hit all the low hanging fruits in your niche in terms of like review, effort, keywords, et cetera, you run out. I mean, there's so many things that come with the info content, but people don't really realize there's like, first of all, the passive links, right? If you rank for good questions or something like that, you will probably get some passive links to your site and over time it really adds up. Like this article had hundreds of links. Second one is advertising can be pretty good, like something like Adstrike, Mediavine. We had articles making several hundred dollars per month passive ranking for info keywords. And it was so consistent across multiple years. Like it was really like decent, you know? The third thing is we were building an email list that we were then monetizing. And we can be quite aggressive on call to actions for the email list on the info content because we're not really trying to sell anything. So, you know, on-page load pop-up versus exit intent, for example, on reviews, etc. And so this would these were generating a lot of leads, which we then monetize. I think we have we still have that podcast, I think, atoyhacker.com slash product, where we explain how we built an info product for a blog post that ranked well. It was making $2,500 a month, for example. So you can do that. Uh, we built a whole funnel around that. And the fourth thing is your info content can, especially if it generates passive links, support your uh, affiliate content, right? So we're idiots. You know why we're idiots? Because with that article, we should have been writing about coffee machines <laughs> on House Ambition. And then we could have been doing internal linking to all these pages and rank for them and make affiliate commissions of that link juice that comes to that negative effects of coffee article. So, uh, and you know, that it's like, I, I actually put an example on the, on the notes. I was like, I, I went back to the good old uh, paintball example because uh, we still haven't built that paintball site. But let's say you want to rank for pay, best paintball guns, then the kind of articles that I would say qualify for this is like how to fill a gas tank for a paintball gun. You know, you have this kind of like high pressure gas bottle that is used to like give pressure to the, um, the bullets when you shoot. So like how to refill it up. That's the kind of article I would probably put on my paintball site. And then I would link back to my best paintball gun article. Um, how to get... Less less pain from the pinball from a pinball shot, for example. So if someone goes and plays paintball every weekend and they get shot all the time and it hurts, well, there might be like tips and tricks you can do. And then same, like there's many opportunities in the article where you can link to paintball guns, uh, and then maybe something like capture the flag rules in paintball, for example. And you can also do that. Oh, like you should start like maybe this is the types of guns allowed. By the way, here's the best paintball guns and interlink to that. So that's the kind of content you can do, and you can monetize that content with getting passive links, doing ads capturing emails, 
and then supporting your affiliate content. So people should really do a lot more info content. There's a really good subset of kind of keywords that work across most niches. That's when you have some different, usually some kind of different law or different rules or different sizing for various things, which is based in different states or different countries. So maybe there's different, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there's different laws about the speed of your bullet in a paintball gun in different countries like ease uh you have to tune the pressure it of the way. gas tank yeah like, you the, know, these you, kinds like, of when things when you fill up the gas tank there's the pressure level and so like you, you're probably not allowed to fill it too much otherwise it's I, like, I know that's definitely the case with airsoft so i'm assuming it's the case with with, with paintball mm-hmm. but an article which has like you know all of the major countries or all the countries or all the states if it's a specifically a u.s one and then where you research the laws or the rules of regulations in each one and kind of have that as the, the database. I've seen that work really, really well across a whole heap of different kinds of niches in terms of just earning loads of links naturally over time because as anyone who wants to reference it rather than reproducing it, they'll just link to you. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a good kind of concept. And you can skyscraper your competitors if you're going after this. Like it's yeah. the kind of cases where like doing skyscrapers is working really well. So yeah, overall, like getting info content and getting a lot of it. Like the thing is like, not all of your pieces of info content are going to do well with this kind of stuff. Like you kind of need a lot of them. Like, you know, some of them will just rank without generating a lot of links and then you'll make some ad money and get some leads. And why not? You know, over the long term, you, you still get your money back. And then a few of them are just going to skyrocket in terms of links. Like people will like link like crazy and then you just get like 100, 200 links to one page. And then you can use that page to distribute links to your site. And it's kind of a number game. Like don't expect to do like five pieces of info content and have this work. It's more like you need to build that info content engine on your site. And then over time, some of these pages will skyrocket and do really well, actually. And some of them will do well on Pinterest. And some of them, like there will be different scenarios and it's going to be quite interesting. The next one is yours too, actually. Actually, you know what? I'll do the next one and then you do the, the one after that. Otherwise, you talk the whole podcast. Fine. So this is kind of like similar, to be honest. It's kind of like quite similar, but it's a specific type of info content. That's uh, data, statistics, etc. And you probably have seen us do a lot of stats posts last year on Notary Hacker, for example. And that was for that reason, because people love linking to stats and love quoting them when they make an argument. So like if I'm trying to make an argument that, I don't know, like you should be buying Bitcoins today, may I will probably be using some kind of stats that someone did on some forum or something or like showing the history or whatever, and then use that as the base of my argumentation to put a piece of content together that explains why you should buy Bitcoin today. And so that's what these data posts do. Like I'll, I'll probably be doing like Bitcoin history, Bitcoin price history or something. And then I'll be referencing that and then linking to that as I start my post. Be like, as we see in the first five years, you know, the price was really low. And then there was the first burst, it went back down and et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are that piece of content that people use as a reference to make these argumentations and a lot of like content creators do look for these kind of stats to legitimize the point they're trying to make with their content. If you are that piece of content that people do find for their research, then you're going to start collecting a whole bunch of links. Even if the search uh, keyword in itself doesn't have a, a lot of search volume, right? The people who search for that are content creators that have the ability to link to you. And therefore, in terms of acquiring links, it's really powerful. And there was that tactic that you loved as well on this in Chiang SEO, so I'll let you Yeah, so the shout out to Stacey McNaught, who gave probably my favorite talk of uh, Chiang Mai SEO conference last year in 2019. And she she does a lot of this kind of digital PR stuff and, and there's a bit of like authority hacking kind of going on and I, I love this one. So what she does is she writes a data statistics post, so it might be, I don't know, I'm just 
I'm not even going to bother making up a niche because I can't come up with one off the top of my head, but it's like keyword plus data or keyword plus statistics. That's what she's targeting. But rather than just try and rank that organically or wait until it does rank organically, what she does is she actually buys Google ads for it. So her article always, it's an ad, but it always appears at the top, like position minus three, essentially, of this SERP. And nobody's bidding for ads on these because there's like very little money to be made on that, really, in, in most cases, at least. So very, very cheap. And she gets loads and loads of links that way. Uh, so we, it's something we, we really are going to try this year. Uh, as we need to do it, yeah. We haven't done it yet. data posts to, to do this with, so we'll be experimenting with. I know she does this a lot, and it works really well for her. She showed a few examples of that kind of stuff in her in her talk, so really good tip there. To from, be honest, you know, it's like um, it's like for our posts. So, for example, I'm thinking of like the internal link post on the Toy Hacker, right? I honestly think it's not even internal link stats that we bid on. It's literally just internal links. Just like the pure info keyword, because I think, I mean, you will get more impressions. I guess it depends on like how much you're willing to spend. But like, I think in some niches where there's like a lot of content creators for like a small niche, then it's actually possible to just bid on the broader keywords, actually. It really depends on the ratio, right? Whereas if you're like doing that for like hydroalcoholic gel right now, it's probably not a good idea, you know, because a lot of people are searching yeah, for I mean, it, but don't have it, it as well. It depends, depends what's in it. If you have a site that, you know, you have a bunch of your own products, you have really advanced funnels, your lifetime visitor is very high. These kind of things might be really worthwhile. But if you're, if you have a, a micro niche site reviewing SD cards work, or yeah. something, like probably no. not. So, I mean, usually if you're really on Amazon, this is not. I mean, it's something where you need to be a little bit past that or you need to make massive volume on Amazon, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're in the like high five figures a month type thing. Then it's worth it. Okay, the next one is build a free web tool. So there are so many examples out there of super simple tools. Think of body mass index, BMI calculators. It's a, there's a very simple formula that, that you follow. It's a very simple calculation. Or it could be something financial, like calculate how repaying your mortgage early will be affected if you contribute X number of dollars extra a month or whatever. My favorite one actually for this is the, the New York Times has one of like a rent versus buy. Should you rent a house or buy a house? And you put all the stats of like taxes and interest rates and average house price. It tells you, well, you'd be better off renting or you'd be better off buying a house. And I think it's really cool. Actually. Yeah, and you can very easily come up with something like this for, for your own niche. It's these kinds of tools, often I view them as maybe oversimplistic, but people love them. They're really useful. And most importantly... In a lot of cases, they get a crap ton of links, like just an absurd, an absurd number. Because people, I feel, have this kind of internal barrier to creating tools as content, we will quite easily spend $100, $200, $500 on a, a really good blog post, right? More but, than that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, the most expensive ones. A lot more than that sometimes. Thousands yeah. of dollars. But there seems, we seem to have a ver an aversion to spending 50 bucks on creating a simple calculator or, you know, a thousand bucks on a, a more complicated tool that plugs into a bunch of APIs and uh, this kind of stuff. We're actually building one at the moment. It's, uh, I don't know if I can say. You cannot um, tell, uh, you cannot tell. No, 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 no. Okay. You, you don't say it until you release it. There's a, a tool which does some kind of SEO thing coming out. It's a, fr a free one. We're building it. It's going to have a ton of value. We're not turning into a SaaS company. We're doing this just as a link building exercise, really. So we'll be able to report on that once that. First kind of for links and second to help people, you know? 
Yeah, in that order. I'm going to be honest. Like, well, that's that's why we're doing it. So, but if you look at if you look at a lot of tools out there, because they're not actually any harder to replicate in the same way that someone writing a, a negative effects of coffee article can write another one on the on another site. It's not really that much more difficult in most cases to replicate these simple tools because they're really, really simple. It's just people have a bit of a mental block. Maybe they don't know how to code themselves, so they, they can't kind of comprehend it. But you can easily hire a PHP developer off of Upwork and, you know, in three, four hours, they can put together one of these calculators, even less in many cases. So you I would know, encourage... the power of tools, so I was going to say the power of tools is that the content is dynamic, right? So if you have a calculator or something, then... The content is like tailored to what you need, but it's really powerful in a world where you need to update your content all the time now. And so it, to some extent, it's, it's almost becoming cheaper than creating text content because text content is not dynamic, which means for a lot of niches, it gets outdated, and which means that you need to go back to it and essentially rewrite the whole thing after usually two to three years these days. That's why I'm quite interested in tools because I feel like there's more longevity in building them on top of, I mean, high quality content now is freaking expensive if you do it properly. Like I've spent, I think the most expensive blog post I've done was like, maybe if you add all the costs, probably like four grand or something. And it's like, yeah, I can probably build an okay tool for four grand or even less. So it's, and that post does get outdated by the way. So I think it's something to really look at. Neil Patel advocates. Did you get this from Neil Patel? No. Because he's been pushing free tools like crazy on his podcast, actually. Okay. uh, I I agree. So where, I mean, there's a site called Who is Hosting This? And Uh it started as a simple tool that you could could put in any website and it would tell you where the web host was. Now they're like a, a super huge hosting or, yeah, hosting affiliate site. And they've built a massive, massive site around this because the who is hosting this tool, which was on that domain, got so many links over the years and their authority just skyrocketed and they could do lots of cool stuff with it now and make, I don't know, a crap ton of money. Yeah, in hosting for sure. Like they're making six figures a month probably, at least like, and the first number is probably not a Seven maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Could even be seven, yeah. I don't know. I don't know numbers, but like a lot of sites make a lot of money. Are we done with tools? Yes. Okay. The next one that I'm going to be talking about is content promotion. And content promotion doesn't sound passive at all, right? <laughs> so I guess I'm putting some air quotes around that because the point is, you sh- once you reach a certain point, you should do content promotion regardless. It's like you need to do that because you remember when I talked about credibility earlier, I said you need to have some social presence. Well, guess what's the best way to have some social presence? Sharing the new content that you have on social and have some people react to it, etc. And it really grows, right? Because like if you share content... Then you send, especially, and for example, let's say on Twitter, you share content and you add the right hashtags to it. Maybe 10 to 15% of people that will see your tweet are not your followers, and like a certain percentage of that will start following you. So you share content, so you get followers. And when you get followers, you get more traffic. And when you, when you share content, you get more, you know what I mean? Like it builds that kind of machine where like sharing content builds followers, that builds traffic, that builds followers, that builds traffic, et cetera. And kind of like, it's a very snow, uh, slow snowball, but it is a snowball. So yeah, we like to do the social share and it works pretty well. So I'm going to actually just break down the, pro, the promo stack that we're doing. And the thing is like, let's say I'm like tweeting something, then it gets retweeted. Like now let's say I tweet something and I get like a good, a good tweet. I get like four or five to seven retweets maybe. But like, 
It means, and then each of these retweets has maybe a couple hundred followers, let's say average 300, 400. But like, there's some people that have sites in there, there's bloggers, there's all of that, and they might discover that. And like, they might not link to me right away from discovering that content, but they might start following us and then they might start like uh, linking to us, et cetera. And uh, several people I talked to discovered us that way. So I'm going to literally just share the content promo stack that we're running right now, which is not that many tactics, but that's the whole point. The point is 280-20, right? So the first one is uh, social sharing. And the way we grow our social following, there's really two main ways. The first one is giveaways. Giveaways are like great. With like Glim.io or Kingsimo, you can essentially tell people if you want a chance to win this freebie, then you have to follow us on Twitter. You have to subscribe to us on YouTube, all this stuff. Great, great way to do that. If you have a giveaway, then we promote it to our email list. The email list is grown from the info content that we mentioned earlier. See, it's all linked together. And we also just promote, like you can be like, hey, go and check it out on, check out our content on YouTube, on Twitter, whatever. People might follow you if you email the links directly to the social media. So what we do is we tweet the content we actually set it in, we share once a month as well. So like a new blog post that we think is high quality. We'll have, we use Agoropulse for that. We'll have it being retweeted once a month. We share it on our Facebook page, on our Facebook groups, on other Facebook groups that are related to our niche as well, which gets people to discover us as well and people talk about us, etc. We don't do as much Instagram stories as we should to do, but like we actually should. When we, it's on our list, it just doesn't happen very often. We use the same story on the Facebook page and the Instagram profile. Some of our profiles have the swipe up, so we're able to send traffic directly to the content. Otherwise, we're able to tell people. On Instagram, what you can do actually is you can tell people, hey, go click on the link in my bio. And then, what's the name? Tailwind app has a free tool that allows you to essentially create a page that takes a thumbnail of your story or your post on Instagram, etc., and attach a link on that page so people see the story. Let's say like I'm in my room right now, you see the flamingo behind, et cetera, and I'm like talking. And then you'll see a thumbnail of that on that page where you when you click on the bio link on Instagram and people click on that same thing that looks like the video they just watched and it takes them to a link I mentioned in the video. So even if you don't have the swipe up on Instagram, which is 10,000 followers, same for Facebook, you're able to send traffic from Instagram. We have a secondary YouTube channel for YouTube clips when we do videos like this podcast, for example. Actually, one thing that I like to do as well when while we're on social media is to mention like social influencers in content so that then we can tweet at them and say, hey, like this is, for example, Stacey McNuff, like you just mentioned her, we will tweet that freaking clip to her. <laughs> and, um, and essentially that's going to, well, hopefully she might reshare it and she has uh, 10,000 followers. Stacey, if you're so. watching, we, we want to link <laughs> out of this, you know. <laughs> But it's good because we're essentially like, it's kind of like a inception, you know, we're like, we're yeah. doing promotion while we're explaining promotion, you know, but like, sure. we will mention her and hopefully she will retweet the clip or retweet the whole podcast or something like that. And as a result, we get some stuff. So like quoting people that have followings is just the best ego bait, like, and, and then people will just reshare out your stuff. And it's a great way to like uh, augment your content as well, just putting their photos. And also you can grow your credibility that way. If people discover your content and see the photo of a well-known expert and their quotes on the, top, on the subject on that, you might get more links passively as well. So all in all, this works great. And another thing with this is it doesn't, it's not just about the new content you've just put out there. You can go back and do this for all your existing library of content that you've ever created. And you don't just have to do it once, you can repeat it. You can push it out multiple times, like over the course of a few months or a few years. 
And you can put multiple quotes as well. So you can put like several quotes. Like let's say you have a list post and you have like seven points, right? You could quote one expert per point on your list post and you do that seven times on the same page, basically. So like very easy way to do that. And these people might link to you or might reshare it. And then these, these reshares might lead to discoveries of people that link to you. So that works pretty well. The second thing we do is, well, we email our email list. Super simple, right? Uh, you build your email list from having info content. I mentioned it earlier. Info content is a great way to build your email list. So that's how you do that. And the last thing we do for content promotion is we use Facebook ads and we retarget people who engage with our brand. So people who engage with our brand define as people who engage with any social, I mean, on Facebook, so Facebook, Instagram. So liking a post, watching a video, clicking on an image, anything like that. Essentially, Facebook gives you that ability to build that audience of people who engage with you uh, on social. And that includes people who engage with your ads. So if you do ads, it kind of like snowballs that audience. We, in the engagers, we put site visitors. So anyone who visited our site in the last uh, three months, I think, we promote new content to them. And the people who opted into our email list, so we upload our email list to Facebook, and then we also show ads to the people that are in the email list and match with the Facebook email. So you don't need to spend a lot of money doing that, by the way. And, uh, you know, for us, like a new post might be like 50 bucks or something. And honestly, you might you can even do it with 20 if you want, and you get quite decent reach, a lot more than if you just post organically. And if a post does really well in terms of engagement, clicks, et cetera, then we actually take a lookalike audience of, for us, it's customers. But if you have an affiliate site, that could be people who opt into your email list, for example. So you can take the people, your email list, you can say, Facebook, find me more people like that. And we might advertise to these people crossed with interest. So let's say I have a golf site, for example, then I would be putting, for example, the people who opted in my email list, like coupled with interest golf, and then I would be advertising call to these people and the people who engage then join my engaged audience and start seeing my content all the time and becoming followers, resharing, et cetera, et cetera. So that's essentially our content promotion stack right now. It works pretty well. It is not too many channels, but like I think we do a good job on each and uh, that works pretty well. So promoting your content, Again, you can't just predict. You can't just say you will get five links per month if you do all these things. Not really. You just get more rich with your new content. One thing that I found as well is that when we promote our content well and we're able to drive quite a bit of traffic to it, then Google Discover picks it up. Google Discover is the essentially kind of like the newsfeed from Google. So you get it on Android if you are opening the Google app or if you're clicking on the little G icon on the left of the search bar on top of your screen. Oh, and you also get Google Discover when you open a new tab on Chrome on Android. And I would not be surprised if this also appears on new tabs on Chrome on desktop, which would give it a lot more reach. But overall, Google, like it can drive a lot of traffic. Like I think in the last three months, we got more than 10,000 visits or something from Google Discover. So it is a decent traffic source and it seems to be kind of like snowballing. If you're able to drive traffic to a page and it's quite popular, then you'll do quite well on Google Discover, provided your title is has a high CTR, etc. So this kind of snowballs the promotion. It works pretty well. I will put more info on that on HPro actually. There's a bunch of stuff that's coming on HPro for that. Um, so that's basically a common promotion thing. Now, I made a second category of like semi-passive things that uh, you added, Mark. Um, I don't so agree with this being semi-passive. So <laughs> think of link building as a series of processes. Sometimes it's just one thing. Sometimes you have multiple inputs to build your prospecting list. Uh, and then you go and do things off the back of that outreach and, and, and whatnot. I want to talk about three semi-passive, as Gail calls them, but as I like to see it, three automated or fully passive prospecting strategies for finding people you can possibly get links from. And they are as follows. Number one, 
using Ahrefs alerts to monitor your competitors' new links. So a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people don't know that Ahrefs has this alerts feature, but if you click on the more button at the top right of Ahrefs or the middle right, a, a kind of extended menu comes up. If you go to alerts there and then the backlinks tab, you can set new alerts, weekly, daily, monthly, and you can plug in uh, whichever competitors you want. It will let you know if you select the option, new links, which that website is acquiring. So you basically get a weekly digest of all the new links that your competitors are getting into your email or into your VA's email or whoever needs to, to action it. And you can then look through each of those links and say, oh, how did they get that? Is that a guest post? Oh, well, if they got a guest post, maybe I should outreach for a guest post. Or is it something else? Have they produced some new cool piece of content that seems to be doing really popular? Can we learn anything from this? Can we produce something similar? Or can we produce something better? Or do we have any new ideas based on that? It just kind of like feeds the inputs for everything you need to do for, for link building, builds you and brings you a continuous list of prospects you can input into your link building machine, which you hopefully have, have set up in the rest of your business. Another kind of Ahrefs alerts is mentions. So we talked about backlinks. Mentions are where your brand name or your name is mentioned somewhere. And this doesn't necessarily need to be a link. It just needs to be someone talking about you. And you can look through those, uh, again, set it up every week, and make sure you exclude your own domain name when you're doing this so you don't get your own site like kind of false positives um, results from your own site coming through in this digest. You just want other sites. Uh, and then you can look through all these mentions and anyone who's not linking to you. So maybe they've said, Mark Webster from Authority Hacker said this and da 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 in the context of, of something they're writing. If they're not linking to me, I can, to Authority Hacker, I can outreach them and be like, hey, why don't you link to us? That would be a good idea, et cetera, et cetera. I can send them a nice email and ask for the link. And sometimes I can get that. So the good thing about this as well, Ahrefs have a really good blog post about exactly how to set this up. Uh, this is where I got it from. But you can actually put misspellings of your brand name. So for example, oh, yeah. we can put authority, authority hacker or authority hacker, <laughs> all one word. Or for some reason, a lot of people call us authority hackers, Hi. plural. Like we've never called because ourselves that. Because we two people. Because I, I understand. People, uh, it caused us a real a load of problems. Someone actually bought the Authority Hackers domain name and there's a whole <laughs> saga with that. We have it now, thank God. So you can call us Authority Hackers if you want and there shouldn't be too much confusion. But yeah, you can put misspellings of your domain in there as well and you can, you can pick up a lot of unlinked mentions and then outreach to those people. Now, this is another really cool one which I, I just really came up with this idea today. So quite common that people will reverse do reverse image searches as a way to build links. So if uh, on our data post that we talked about earlier, we have a lot of cool charts and graphs. And there have been cases where people just flat out steal them. So they'll they'll just stick them on their own site, sometimes even remove our logo or crop it out or whatever. And then uh, they'll use it on their site. And it often it's not the, the site owner's fault. It's some writer they've paid who's just going to like save a bunch of time in doing this. And, you know, we've had issues in the past before where writers we've hired have used stolen images and we had to fix that. And, you know, it's not an uncommon thing and it's not always with malicious intent of the, of the site owner. So what you can do is rather than just, you know, once a month running through and putting it, uploading every image you have to Google images. That's how you reverse Im do a reverse image search, by the way, rather than doing that. There's actually a couple tools you can use. 
One is called Berify, B-E-R-I-F-Y.com. And the other one is Pickmatch.ca. Uh, and these these start from, I think Berify is, it's $5.95 a month for up to a thousand images. And when you upload the image, it regularly checks its entire, it, reg, it regularly does a reverse image search for all these images. And it will send you an alert whenever it comes up, whenever it finds someone using your image. So you don't have to do anything. You just do this once. And then anytime someone uses one of your images, you get an alert and you can outreach to those people and say, hey, I noticed you're using my image. That's fine, but make sure you link to me or words to that effect. And there's another, I think, great prospecting strategy, especially if you have a lot of unique images on your site or illustrations yeah. on your site. I guess it qualifies as passive because essentially people take the image and you, all you have to do is send an email. Like it's not too bad. Like there's a passive effect to that. And if you're catching uh, yeah, people, tools... if you're catching people at the time when they've just published the article, it's more likely to be fresh in their head and they're going to be yeah. aware of it and that kind of thing. It's not like oh, it's a three-year-old post where we've done that and the editors left and the writers left and someone else owns the site or whatever. So it's kind of easier when you do it in a timely manner. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I guess that's it for this podcast, really. So we are done with the passive link building. If you guys enjoy this content and you are on YouTube, there is a subscribe button below and there is a little bell next to that. Click on both so that you don't miss any of our videos. Give us a thumb up. It really helps with the SEO for YouTube, really. And if you still want to listen to us on audio, we are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. And we are on SoundCloud, so go and find us there or any other podcast app you use. You should be finding us, Atari Hacker, and subscribe so you don't miss any episode. If you want more tactics like that, we also have a free training. You can go on authorityhackertraining.com. This training is like me talking for two hours about a bunch of tactics like we talked about in, about in today's episode. So uh, a lot of people have enjoyed it. Uh, we will mention one of our courses at the end as well. A lot of people have done pretty well with this one, so you should check that out. That's basically it. We will release another podcast uh, next Monday. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.